Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you're looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casinos as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, everyone. Today, I have a special guest. I have a veteran of figure skating. He is a three-time national champion, two-time Olympic member, and two-time bronze medalist at Worlds, and the inventor of so many cool flips and skating tricks, (laughs) Michael Weiss. Thanks, Michael, for coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So I know you grew up in a sport family. Your dad was an Olympian for gymnastics and your mom was also a gymnast. Tell us about why you decided to skate and not go the gymnastics route. Well, it was like, you, like you said, both my parents were gymnasts. So they were always, you know, flipping and twisting and stuff when we were little, when I was younger. Um, I have two older sisters. Uh, one was a diver. Um, and I started out diving actually, um, with her when I was younger until the age of nine. And then I just, I basically came home from diving practice one day and I, I told my mom and dad, I'm like, I, I just, I'm not really into diving. I'm not loving it. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't like coming after school to the pool. It's cold. I just don't like it. Um, and my dad's like, okay, well you have about a week to figure out what you want to do. So figure out what you're going to do. Cause you're not going to sit at home and watch TV after school. <laughs> I was like, okay. So my mom said, why don't you come to the rink with my other sister, Jeremy, who was a skater at that time. Why don't you come try skating? So I went and tried skating. And um, I think what I liked about it really was that uh, I started kind of getting recognition quickly because I learned things quickly. Like, you know, I was doing waltz jumps like the first day and like trying things that normally wouldn't be the progression. Um, And so I got a little bit of praise and recognition for that. And so I wanted to do a little bit more and want to do a little more and a little more and and that's, that's kind of what, how I got into skating is basically I was, um, you know, went to the rink with my older sister one day and she was always the better skater. She was very good. She was, I think she was second at junior nationals in junior ladies. She competed internationally. I was always like Jeremy's younger brother. I was never really my own skater until, until probably maybe 12, 13, 14, when I started going to nationals, people were like, oh yeah, Jeremy's younger brother can skate pretty well too. So it was, I was kind of in her shadow for a while, but then uh, I broke out as, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, as I got older. But I think it was, it was very beneficial having parents who were involved in a sports that are similar to mine, like my sisters being skaters and divers, my parents gymnasts. They're all individual sports. They're all like flipping and twisting and some, some type of, of a uh, movement like that. So, um, so yeah, it, it, it helped having them as parents. They uh, guided me a lot on uh, my off ice training and stuff like that. So it was good having a family of athletes. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. I know that yeah. gymnastic teaches you really great coordination, uh, especially working mm-hmm. with body weight at such a young age. I actually did gymnastics myself from the age of like one to eight years old before I stopped. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, do you recommend gymnastics for, 
young kids growing up like as a start to kind of learn coordination and then you can switch to any sport? I think, I think in general, I recommend sports number one, because I think they build character, they build discipline. Um, they teach you to be tough. They te- teach you to, uh, to deal with adversity and, um, and difficulties. Um, but even, even more specifically, as you said, gymnastics for figure skaters, um, any sport that works on strength, balance, um, uh, body awareness in the air, rotating and flipping, you know, those type of things, if you do more varieties and cross training of it, you're going to be better at your individual sport because you're a better athlete in general. Um, so yes, I definitely recommend it. Um, my, my mother was a gymnast, as you said, and then also she did a lot of off ice training with me. Um, I worked a lot on the trampoline when I was younger, I would do, you know, that's when I learned a lot of my jumps on the tramp before I ever tried them on the ice. Like I could do, you know, single rotation, double rotation, triple quads. And I can, even this old body, I could still get up on a trampoline and do a quad rotating jump because you can, you know, obviously get much more height. You don't have to create that with your own strength anymore. You can use the trampoline for a lot of body awareness, spatial awareness, so that when you do try it on the ice, um, you're that much more comfortable with rotation. Um, and also if you fall on a trampoline, generally, certainly if you fly off, you're going to hurt yourself. But if you just sit down and fall on a trampoline, it's a lot less strenuous than falling on the ice, you know, when you're dealing with bruises and bumps and broken bones. So you could do a lot more repetition on a trampoline um, without as much uh, pounding on your body. And so I uh, utilize that a lot. My mom helped me a lot with stretching and flexibility. I was never really considered a flexible figure skater at all, but I would have uh, been a lot less flexible had it not been for her. And I think that's one of the reasons I didn't have many injuries when I was competing was because she um, trained me off ice, um, got me physically prepared uh, and stretched, you know, multiple times daily. So uh, I I prevented a lot of injuries. So yes, uh, better, better uh, all around athlete and doing, cross-training sports like like gymnastics even diving anything where it's an individual sport ballet you know where you're doing something to um, physical movement you can get more and more comfortable in performing side of it and then the athletic side of it of jumping and spinning and twisting that's really interesting that you did jumps and whatnot on trampolines but that must have been safer I want to say having gymnastic parents because I feel like there's just so many injury stories with kids you know, on trampolines, like twisting their ankles or whatever. So like personally, my, my mom was so scared of trampolines. I, I loved them going over to a friend's house and trying to jump. But my mom was like, please don't hurt yourself. Yeah, no, and I, I get that too. I think I was on a trampoline way before I was ever on the ice. Cause I grew up in gyms because uh, my parents were gymnastics mm-hmm. coaches when I was really younger. So they had it owned a gym and I was, you know, grew up bouncing on a trampoline. It was always very comfortable with that. And, and yeah, it is, it, even though it can be dangerous, if I, you know, I grew up on it, like I said, I was comfortable. It was, it wasn't dangerous at all. It was much less, less strenuous on my body on a trampoline than it was on the ice. So obviously you just touched on your mom being super involved in helping you with injury prevention and training and everything. How involved were your parents in your coaching process and who were your coaches on the ice? Um, well, my coach, my very first on ice coach, uh, was Audrey Wisiger. Uh, I was in Fairfax, Virginia, um, where I first stepped out on the ice. Um, uh, I also had another coach. Actually, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. My first real coach when I stepped on the ice was Nick Perna, who also worked at that rink. He, he, still, he still coaches there. He works with Audrey as well in Fairfax, Virginia. Um, but he was the first lesson I had 
uh, I remember it because he always talked to me for years about it, still talks about it, how I was so nervous. The first lesson I went out there, he was trying to get me to do a T-stop. And he's like, yeah, you know how you just, you just lean back and put some weight on this back edge and, and it skids like that. Just lean back. And I'm like, if I lean back, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall if I lean back. And I, like, <laughs> I remember like being so frustrated. He's like, no, just trust the edge, you know, like this. And he always talks about my difficulty with T-stops, the first lesson I had. But I got the hang of T-stops. And I remember that um, Audrey was watching us. And she, cause she was coaching my sister, Jeremy at that time. And she said, you know, as soon as I had the first and second lesson, she said, uh, she goes, yeah. She's like, it looks like Jeremy got all the skating talent in the family. Cause this one's not going to be a skater. <laughs> That's what she said about me. And then after about a week or so, like I mentioned before, I started picking things up like pretty quickly, pretty quickly. And she's like, oh, maybe he's got some potential. Then I worked my way up maybe two, three weeks later, I was able to get a lesson from Audrey, which was a big deal for me. Um, and then she ended up uh, coaching me for the majority of my skating career. Um, so she did all my, my on ice, uh, on ice training, uh, right in Fairfax, Virginia. And then off ice stuff, my mom did, like I said, trampoline. Uh, my dad played a big role in, uh, a lot of my, uh, I lifted a lot of weights, um, back in the nineties. So, um, I felt like being a stronger athlete off the ice made you a stronger athlete on the ice. So I worked out every single day after, um, after my training sessions, I go to the gym, uh, lift weights, do different body parts every day. And. Uh, so he played a key role in that. And I had a really um, a good team, uh, support team around me um, with my sisters and my mom, my dad, and uh, my skating coaches uh, really, really are, are what helped me uh, create the environment that, uh, that, that gave me the ability and the opportunities to succeed in skating. Since your parents were such high level uh, athletes themselves, did they also help you in the role of mental strength for skating? Uh, because that is such like an important component to any sport, right? You know, being able to hit it in competition, not just practice, and then feeling confident in your training and whatnot. So, yeah, what about that relationship? You know, it's one thing when you come home, uh, you know, after, you know, working out five, six hours a day and your body hurts and you're exhausted. And, you know, your parents can say, you know, they'll pat you on the back and say, oh, you know what, you know, you'll get them tomorrow. Let's recover. Let's focus. But it's a little bit different when you know that, both my parents have done that. Like they've come home every day, exhausted and tired and they've, you know, broken bones in their body while, while, while doing gymnastics things. My, my dad was an Olympic gymnast. So he knows, uh, he knows what it's like, the pressure to, to have to perform at a national championships, the pressure to, to, to perform in the Olympic games. Um, it was something that, you know, I never had to tell them. Like I, I was never able to cop out and say, no, you guys don't understand. Cause that was like, that didn't really work. They do understand. They they've been through it themselves, and I think that was uh, comforting um, when I was younger, and also um, inspiring too. You know, it, when your when your dad has and your mom. My mom was a national champion in gymnastics. My dad was an Olympian in in gymnastics. Um, when they've done that, you kind of you feel like that's the standard. You know, like that's I got to at least do that. You know, because because that's what I did. I got to live up to it. So. Um, I think it was uh, motivating and um, inspiring for me to know that they did it and, and I could uh, potentially have those those genes and the work ethic to do it as well. That's so cool. Wow. <laughs> so then in 1997, when you landed the quad toe at Nationals in Tennessee, three hours later after your competition, they announced that it didn't count because it was two-footed. How did you feel about that in the moment? Like, what was that like? It was, well, it was, it was awesome because it, 
it, that was the first time I'd um, won a medal at the national championships, the senior level. So you know what it's like, like when you win your first medal, you're like, I don't even care. I want a medal. Like I was, I was second and I was excited that mm-hmm. I, I, I thought at that point that I'd landed the first quad. So I was going to the world championships for the first time. Um, and the moment will never be taken away from me because, you know, there was tons of pressure. I was skating last in the long program. I skated lights out. I had my family there to see it. I had at that time was my fiance. We weren't married yet. Actually, were we married yet? No, we weren't married yet. We, we got married later that year. She's in the office right next to me. <laughs> yeah. So we, yes. So Lisa, my fiance at that time came down with my sister, Jenna, they came down, gave me a huge hug at the end of the program. And I, you know, I, I nailed it and skated my absolute best. So to have the, the quad taken away, you know, a few hours later, it was a little disappointing, but um, you know, the, the moment and the memory are, uh, are always there for me. Yeah. I mean, both moments are incredible, both meddling, obviously, and getting onto the world team, but doing the quad, you know, before anybody else is out there trying it, like doing it, it was iconic. <laughs> it's also interesting too, because you know how the sports changed and evolved a lot with the scoring system now too. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't even, is it considered like, let's say somebody did a quad axle tomorrow. If they two footed a quad axle, is it not considered the first one if it's a negative GOE or did they land it? It was fully rotated and it's two footed and it's like minus one. Is it still the first quad axle? You know what I'm saying? Like, I wonder if it would, yeah, if it would have been judged differently had it been under a different scoring system. But anyway, we'll never know. <laughs> that's so, that's so true. Wow. I never thought about it that way, but yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, well, I wanted to ask you as well. What are your thoughts on the new judging system since you were competing under the 6.0 and then it changed? Yep. What do you think about it? Uh, I was one of the few that was able to, to skate under both. Um, so I skated mm-hmm. in the 6.0 system um, and then I transferred to, um, to, the, to the new, well, it's not the new system anymore, um, <laughs> the older new system. Um, but I like the fact that you're not out of it completely and you know in the short program let's say you miss an element you can be in eighth place but only four points behind you know whereas before if you were in eighth place in the 6.0 system there's literally no chance for you to win the competition well you can easily make up four points in the long program even though that's eight spots they're all you know compacted in there so in that sense i very much like it i also liked that it, it was the system was based on positivity it's you start your program from zero and you start accumulating points as the program goes on the old system, you started at perfect and mm-hmm. you started deducting. That was bad, that was bad, that was bad that, until you got to your score. So I like the fact that it's, it's positive based and you can still throw in elements later in the program. If you know you're behind, you know adding an extra triple toe on the end of a combination late in the program will give you an extra point value that could make the difference. Whereas before it was like, well, it might make the difference. People might value that more, but there's really no actual you know, point value to it. So in that sense, I, I very much like this system. Um, but the only thing I think I don't like about it is that uh, for people like you and I, it kind of makes sense because we've skated under it and we understand it more. But for the general public, too many numbers is just too complicated for them. I mean, they, I wouldn't say too complicated for them. It's They could if they wanted to. I just don't know that they want to invest that type of, of energy into learning what the scores mean, where it's like, I don't know. I would love the, love to go back to something like uh, the, the, a system where it's like a 10. 
Everybody knows what a 10 is. That was perfect. That's like a perfect 10. He's a perfect 10. Like it makes sense in every walk of life. Perfect. And then you go mm-hmm. back, you know, you, you, you deduct from there when you make mistakes. Oh, that was a nine, 9.8. Makes sense. I know what that is. It's almost perfect, but it's not quite, oh, that was a 5.2. That wasn't very good. It kind of makes sense to everybody. So as far as the appeal goes to the general public and marketability of the sport, I don't think the system is good. But as far as the skaters being able to accumulate points and it being more fair, I understand that as well. But, um, you know, I, I, I would be more towards trying to market the sport and get it out there and make it more appealing uh, to a larger variety of people, a larger range of people and demographic. And in that sense, I would think uh, something similar to a 6.0, like a 10.0 system uh, would be beneficial for the marketing of the sport. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it it's definitely a fine line to walk because for sure you want the skaters to be benefiting the most out of any point system, but then at the same time we need an audience to watch and we or yeah, to be watching us and we need the marketing of the sport to be really good because you want interest in whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like it's it's definitely interesting. I do think yeah, a 10.0 system would be very intriguing. It hasn't been done before, so it could, you know, it could happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah and I, I, it's kind of a shame too, I see now, because like when I was growing up, I was lucky to benefit um, from the boom of figure skating because of Tanya and Nancy. Mm-hmm. I mean, figure skating was popular, Ta- not Tanya and Nancy took it to a whole new level. Yeah. When that occurred, all of a sudden we were doing, you know, 100 shows on tour a year. Yeah. And filling up arena and on tv every weekend on you know getting big ratings and it you know it wasn't anything that we as skaters did other than tanya and nancy i guess they created that because of the drama and the excitement and the intrigue Mm -hmm. um and then we had that audience and we had them for a good good period of time uh and then it started to dwindle a little bit when people started to be you know scratching their heads when two olympic medals were awarded in salt lake city you know with um with um uh, Jamie and David and the Russian team. It was, it was like, it was kind of like, wait, is this, you know, I don't, I don't quite understand. Is this fair? Isn't it fair? Then we put in the new judging system. Now they're even more confused. And then, and now I think it's just slowly, but surely kind of just started to dwindle more and more as far as its popularity. But the skating level is so much better. I, I always say it's like such a shame that, you know, people like Nathan Chen and Vincent Joe, Yuzu Rohanyu, all those guys, they're out there and they're doing stuff that is ridiculous. I mean, you know, I, I think of like me, what I had to do to do a quad Lutz, like the wind had to be perfect. I had to be the perfect height, the perfect weight. The ice had to be great. My skates had to be laced well, like everything had to be perfect. And then you see these guys at like two minutes and, you know, 45 seconds into their program do like quad Lutz, half loop, triple flip. And you're like, what? And they have, you know, six or seven quads in their program. So the difficulty that they're doing and they're combining it with an artistic entertaining program is just mind boggling to me now. And to, to know that there's not as many people watching the sport to appreciate what they do is, uh, is disappointing because I know what they do is, you know, some of the hardest things on, on, on the planet, you know, doing those quadruple jumps multiple times under pressure to music is uh, is an amazing feat. And I think more people, I would love more people to be able to enjoy it and appreciate it. With the new year comes tons of new big games in sports. With big games, you need big stakes. 
Kansas City Steaks has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. Plus, get free shipping with code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at checkout. Try out the snack pack combo featuring small plates with big flavor, mini beef Wellington steak burger sliders, mac and cheese melts, shrimp wrapped in bacon. Oh my God, that sounds so good. Every order is flash frozen, delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Basically every cut of steak imaginable, plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. Again, go to kansascitysteaks.com slash game day and use the code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Steaks, big games, big taste. Yeah, I totally agree. I think coming from a skating generation of this past decade with uh, knowing the rich history of particularly U.S. figure skating with all of our um, amazing Olympians and athletes, it, it definitely makes all of us, like, we all think, you know, the 90s, early 2000s, like, that was such prime time for skating, obviously because of the scandal uh, that happened. But watching arenas be just sold out and the excitement and everybody knew, you know, these athletes' names, it, it definitely has a different feel now because the skating, I guess, audience community is smaller than it was back then. Uh, but it is it is insane because of the current trends with jumping particularly you know the quad trend that has really sparked this last decade and the last five years really with all of the men and now women who are doing quads yeah what are what are your thoughts on the quad train and how there's so many quads in programs now i like it if you can balance it you know if uh, and i think there are some people who have you know the the, the Russian army of women that are doing quads right now is amazing. I mean, they have a body type and a training ability that makes them so consistent. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're very small, they're compact, their strength to weight ratio is insane. So they can be tiny and they can get these rotations off so quickly and efficiently. Um, and I'm all for doing all those things, but it's hard to balance, you know, a 13 or 14 year old, um, who can do those uh, technical elements, but you're just, you can't be developed at a young age artistically. It's just, you have to have the history and the development uh, emotionally, um, you know, through, through performances. And you only gain that through, through skating over the years. And uh, so I'm, I'm for it. I'm for pushing the, 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 the boundaries and the limits um, technically, but there has to be a balance between the two. And that's, you know, that's kind of why I'm, I've been so impressed with somebody like Nathan over the years, because initially he was doing the quads. And I remember when he first came on this, the senior circuit and everybody was saying, Oh, his you know, his artistic side is just not good. It's just, it's not going to be there. And I'm like, he's just too smart of an individual and too disciplined as an athlete to not eventually get there. He's working on the, the, the things that the variables that he, finds the most difficult, the quads. He's getting them consistent, consistent, consistent. Once he gets those, then you know he's going to artistically get, you know, get to that level and surpass it even. Um, and, and that's, of course, exactly what he did. And so my, my point is, if you can balance the two, yes, I'm all for it. But you have to be able to do them both. I, do, I, I find myself tuning out, waiting for the next quad sometimes. When you see some of the younger skaters that are doing quads, you're like, gosh, that was amazing, quad loves triple toe. 
And then you're like snorefest, you're waiting, you're waiting. I find myself like looking at my phone. <laughs> and then you're like, oh wait, there was another quad flip. Okay, that was awesome. And then you're kind of like zone out a little bit. So if you can keep their attention through that whole, you know, four minutes, four minutes, 30 seconds, if you can do that, then um, then that's that's my ideal skater, balancing them both. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. I think that's kind of part of the reason we've lost some of the attraction of skating in some ways because, you know, previous years, yes, we weren't doing as many quads or huge like jumping elements, but then the balance of the program, you know, everybody wanted to see Michelle Kwan skate like just for her skating, not necessarily for her elements, even though, you know, she had the full package where she would hit the elements. So it made, you know, her skating that much better. Uh, But now it's definitely become very, very element oriented to the point where people watching just kind of, like you said, lose a little bit of interest because the full package isn't there. So I think definitely developing uh, the skaters in a more full way for, you know, the artistic component is definitely uh, important. And now there's actually talk about an age change for ladies and men skating, making, I think the limit 17, 18 rather than 15. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that would help? the artistic component or do you think that's not really necessary? I've always been a proponent of, I, you know, I think with their motivation, a lot of those times, what I've heard is their motivation is to keep these younger athletes from pounding themselves and, you know, and getting injured and, and, and that's why they have them, you know, these age limits. And I'm like, well, if that's the reason, then it's not working because they're still doing it at 13 and 14 years old. You're just not letting them compete. They're still doing it and training it at home. So you can really <laughs> prevent it anything. I've always been a believer that the world championships, the Olympic games are the best athletes in the world, whether you're 48, 75, nine years old, whatever it is, it's the best athletes. And if you can do the technical abilities and you can qualify to compete at that level, then you should have the right to do that. Um, I, I have not been a proponent of, of limiting having kids, you know, be able to do it because if they can do it, they can do it. You know, why put a, why put a a limit on that? That's like saying um, you can't compete at the Olympics because you have blue shoes on or you wore a green hat or you're 14 years old. It's, it's an uncontrollable, you know, like, I mean, you can't control how old you are, but you can control the elements that you do. And if you can compete both technically and artistically at that level, you should have the right to do it. But I, and, that's, and I think it's up to the coaches too, to develop the skaters as much as possible so that they are well-balanced, even to the sense where, okay, we know you can do the quadruple jumps. You have to go out and skate, you know, three shows the next three weeks and you're not allowed to jump and you have to get a standing ovation. Good luck. How are you going to do it? And then you got to think, you got to put your thinking cap on. They're obviously great athletes and great thinkers because mm-hmm. they were able to do those elements. Now you got to find <laughs> a way to draw people into your performance, select a piece of music that works for you, that draws them in. Um, you know, work on your spins, work on your artistry, work on your ability to communicate with the audience, to entertain them and to draw emotion out of them. And, and then that will develop because, uh, because it's necessary. You know, if, if those quads, half of the score is technical, half of the score is component marks. And if, you, if you're judging it like that, then they know if they're deficient in one, they have to keep up by doing the other. Mm-hmm. I think the, I guess, key part of the age limit thing is mostly about the quality of their skating, you know, with the the second part, the artistic component, because even though, like you said, 
anybody who is the best athlete in the world at that point, you know, especially technically because we're a sport first, not an art form first, right? Um, that's why skating's in the Olympics. It's because of the physical, you know, requirements, not necessarily just being a pretty dancer, right? Um, but I think allowing like people to compete because they are at that level is definitely something that we should continue to do. But then what about allowing kids, younger skaters to be winning everything when their component mark really might not be of the same caliber as older skaters that maybe aren't doing the same technical, but then they have that full package skating. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think the way to control that then is to judge it accordingly. You know, if you're going to score, you know, a 150 technically, you better get threes and fours on your component marks. Nobody's ever going to give threes and fours. Have you ever seen it? Nobody does that, you know, in the component mark. Mm -hmm. So start giving those and you'll see that they'll have to get those things back up. They'll be forced to, they'll be forced to focus on them. So let the judging determine whether they're old enough to be in mm -hmm. and whether they're mature enough as a skater and performancing, you know, their performance level as a skater, you know, give them credit for their quad LUTs and their quad flip, but then give them a two or a three and all their component marks. Yeah. Um, and then, then that'll balance it out. Then somebody who doesn't do the quads, but gets eights and nines in their component marks is going to beat that person. So, you know, let that dictate it rather than saying, sorry, you're 13, you can't compete. You're 14, you can't compete. That doesn't make sense. There may be a 14 year old that is, you know, artistically advanced, you know, they, they give them the opportunity to show that they can do that. Mm -hmm. And if you start scoring them low on the component marks, they'll be forced to challenge themselves at a younger age with the artistic mark. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely the most honest way to go to keep the integrity of the sport. Uh, it's, it's definitely frustrating that the judging system can be manipulated <laughs> quite a bit to, you know, do whatever they want rather than have that honest result. Um, but actually one of the questions that I ask a lot of athletes and have a common opinion on is they think that the tech panel is inconsistent a lot of the times in competition within the same event, um, which is super frustrating, obviously, for a lot of athletes. What do you think about the tech panel and how do you think it can be improved? Well, I think, I think they are inconsistent. I mean, I've experienced that even right at the start of the system where I did, uh, I did my combination spin in my short program uh, and I got a level four on it. And then I knew that in, in the Grand Prix event before that, I did my long program combination spin and it got a level three. So I said, well, all I'm going to do is just, I know that I just got a level four in the short. I'm just going to change it to that spin combination. I'll get a level four in the long, right? So I did the long program. I did the exact same spin and I did it better than I did in the short program. And I got a level three on it. And it was the same panel and it was the same deck. And I'm just like, how does that happen? I was, and I literally, I asked them afterward because there was a, you know, they have the um, competitors party and the, the gala afterward. Or asked, I was like, I did the exact same spin. You know that, right? Like I did the same spin in the short and long program so that you could be happy. And, you know, they made up something like, oh, well, it wasn't, didn't have the right number of rotations. I'm like, that's just not true. I count when I spin. I know. But anyway, so that consistency, yeah. you know, that could be the difference in a point or so. It did, luckily in that scenario, it didn't dictate whether I got, you know, first or second or second or third. It didn't, didn't have an effect. But what if it did? What if that was the difference between the gold medal and the silver medal at the Olympics? Um, then it would really, really be important. But um, yes, I, I, I agree that, one of the things I have with the technical specialist that I'm disappointed in is 
when we watch nationals or worlds or Olympics, there's a ton of cameras. There's what, like 14 cameras in there for, you know, NBC and all the TV cameras from all these different angles. And we get to see replays from all these different angles as spectators, but the technical specialist only gets, and I don't know if this has changed or not, whether they get one camera angle or at least two now, I'm not even sure. But why do they not have access to all the cameras in the place? And I know the argument is, well, every competition doesn't have that many cameras, but every comp, you know, like they'll say South Atlantic's doesn't or regionals or sectionals or those type of events don't have all those cameras. Yes, but there's also not as much at stake at those. When you're talking about a national championships, there's a lot more at stake. So you better make sure you get it right. And if there's 15 cameras in there, I want to see if that was under rotated from this camera angle, that camera angle, that camera angle, every single camera angle is possible. And I think that because because sometimes technical specialists are limited there and downgrading is what's really been determining some of these competitions is whether it's downgraded or whether it's not. And you're like, well, I only saw it from that camera angle and I can't really tell. So what do you do? It kind of, it kind of handcuffs the technical panel. Whereas I believe the ability to have access to all the cameras in the building, uh, in the building like NBC does uh, and have replays and getting it right. It's for me, it's more important to get it right. Like get it right. Whether this kid has, you know, four downgrades or no downgrades, that's the difference between like second and seventh. <laughs> so make sure you get it right. take time to get it right. And, uh, and, and give the uh, panel, uh, the best opportunity to get it right with the most, the most tools. Yeah, no, that's, that's super true that actually they only have that short window frame to kind of decide yeah. whether or not you get the element or you don't. And then afterwards, even if you go back and you, you know, look at multiple camera angles, see that maybe it was, it should have gotten full credit. They can't go back and change the system. Um, and that's the part that really sucks. I think about, like it, it would be weird, obviously, like once the results are up to all of a sudden have it change because they got something wrong. But at the same time, I think they need to develop it in some way to make that better. Um, I actually had an experience with the tech panel at one year, like Skate Canada I was at, and I got like no credit for my flying sit spin uh, because they decided that I wasn't at a 90 degree angle enough or something like that. Um, and we looked at all the replays afterwards with multiple U.S. figure skating officials and then um, actually a tech panelist who wasn't on my panel for the event, um, but he had been on other ladies' panels at other Grand Prix. And he told us, yes, this is a flying sit spin. It should have gotten credit, but he couldn't go to the you know panel, obviously, and have them change it. So it was just so frustrating that the system is like decided in a split second and then afterwards it can't be changed. Yeah. Which I, I always think is ironic because the consistency. I mean, we were talking about that earlier about how I did the quad and all the judges marked it as doing the first quad in 97. And then they went back and changed it. It's like I'll, they kind of make up the rules as they go along. Like, well, now <laughs> it's selected. Make it up here, but now we're not allowed to go back. So that, that's and I, and I understand as athletes, that's the biggest frustration, like you were saying, is just I just want a consistency. Mm -hmm. So I know, like, give me the same playing field so I know what I'm playing with. You know, I know the rules. Yeah, absolutely. So after career, after your career, uh, you toured with Stars on Ice, right? Mm -hmm. Why did you choose Stars on Ice over, I think the other popular show is Champions on Ice? Well, actually, I did both. I toured with mm -hmm. uh, Champions on Ice for eight years. And okay. then I switched from Champions on Ice to Stars on Ice. I toured for another six years, maybe seven, seven years with Stars on Ice. So I was, I was one of the few cool. that was able to time it and 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 do both um they're both very different tours 
um, both awesome, uh, great experiences, um, completely changed my life, provided a lifestyle for myself and my family um, that, that I could have never dreamed of. Um, but they, I, I, when Champions on Ice was a whole nother level, it was right in the middle of the Tanya and Nancy thing. And, yeah. you know, we had, we did the, the longest tour ever it was, it was 93 shows, 85 cities with Stars on Ice, sorry, with Champions on Ice with Tom Collins. And, um, you know, we were selling out every arena, like we'd go to every arena and it was just so surreal to be out there every night and, you know, look up and they announce people's names and the place would just go crazy. It was, it was an amazing opportunity an amazing experience. Um, Champions on Ice was a, a larger cast. Um, we had a, you know, we had a cast of, I mean, you did one number. So you basically had 30 seconds in the opening you did one, you know, three minute number and you had 30 seconds at the end and that was your night. And that was, that was pretty much your, your entire night. Then when I went to Stars on Ice, that was a much smaller cast. You're out on the ice, you're working all night long in Stars, which is a different rhythm, but I enjoyed it because there's like a rhythm to the show and you started getting into it and it's, it's a workout and it's exciting and it's challenging all through the night. So, you know, you'd have a long group number at the beginning in Stars then you'd have at least two solos and then you'd have group numbers too, where you do like a duet with another skater or you do like, you know, a guy's number and a girl's number. And, um, and so it was a very different type of show skating. Um, but, uh, also very, uh, very rewarding, but I, I, I just love the ability to be doing what I was doing, um, that I loved and I was actually getting paid to do it. Uh, you know, I would have been doing it anyway and I was actually getting paid to do it. And I was getting paid to see the country. I mean, I, I went to every single state in the United States. I performed in every single state. And um, that's a gift that is uh, unbelievable to be able to see this country on, you know, on all levels. And albeit we were inside arenas and hotels a lot, but we had days off or we spent a lot of time on, um, you know, we take time to, to take days off in different cities and experience uh, the culture from every part of the country, which was pretty awesome. No, it's, it's literally the dream life. I remember going to Stars on Ice shows when I was really young and just dreaming about being able to skate in shows like that. And then I, really lucky as a skater, got to perform in two Stars on Ice tours after the Olympics. So that was just an absolute dream, even though the scale definitely a lot smaller than shows back, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But we did, I, I did like 10 shows after the Olympics and then I did another tour as a full-time cast member and we only had six shows but it was so fun and like you said so packed you know there were so many things yeah. that you had to get done throughout the night but uh the the skating community i think was the best part of that show because we were all just hanging out 24 7 mm -hmm. you know on the buses together going off to ihop at midnight after a show like it, yeah. there are just so many funny little stories that um really bonded us, I guess, like as a unit <laughs> for the cast. So yeah, I really, really is, loved. That's definitely what's amazing about that tour is it's, especially like you were saying, stars is a much closer knit tight group of people, a smaller cast. So you rely on each other a lot more. And those, uh, those memories are some of the greatest memories of my life was being on the road with, with those skaters and, and similar situation stories of, 
you only you only bond like that when you've gone through hardships and difficulties of performing and bad shows and good shows and you know being snowed in or rained out or you know bad audiences good audiences and injuries and all that stuff you bond a lot more when you all go through that together absolutely well tell us about your foundation the michael weiss foundation that you started for well i started this um after what was it it was in when I made the 2002 Olympic team right after that, I always, I always said when I was younger, um, uh, my, my parents struggled to keep my sister and I skating financially. Um, cause you know, skating is not a cheap sport and we had two of them in it, my sister and I. So at that point they were spending, you know, 75, $80,000 a year on our skating expenses when I was younger. And you know, that that's a huge strain on a family. Um, and I always said, if I ever got to the point where, uh, I could give back and help somebody who was similarly in my situation that I would. And um, I got to a point where, where, um, where I could do that. I had resources and friends and, and things like that, that I could help raise money for other skaters. And so we started the Mike Weiss foundation show and we had a show annually every year. Uh, we did it for 10 years, um, raised uh, all, you know, skating friends from stars on ice champions on ice. They all came in and performed shows. They donated their time, donated, um, their performances and we'd raise money and funds. And then every single dime we'd raise would go right out in skating scholarships to up and coming skaters to, uh, to help out. So that was, um, that was, it was a big part of my, my life it was a big part of uh, my kid's life too. They participated in uh, the show every single year. Um, they sell programs, perform some in the shows. And uh, we had, we actually housed all the skaters in order to save money for the foundation. We didn't put them up in hotels, basically said, Everybody come to my house. We're going to have a party this weekend. It's going to be fun. We're going to see each other. We're going to put on a show. We're going to raise some money. And all that's going back to, to skaters like you and I when we were, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old. So um, great experience, great memories there. And um, thankfully, we were able to uh, um, give a lot of financial support to a lot of young skaters and hopefully made a difference. That, that is actually so amazing. And I know it's so necessary in the sport because, as you said, it is – not a cheap sport. It's very expensive. It is definitely straining on athletes, families, you know, for sure, because of the amount of time and energy and commitment, you know, it's not just one kid who's involved in skating in the family, the whole family gets involved because there's a lot of factors that go into skating, like you can't really go on a lot of vacations, right? So I know personally, like for my family, um, we never really went on vacations, which for me, I guess, you know, kind of sad, but I didn't notice at all. Cause why would I, you know, miss vacations if I never had them in the first place. But I think for my brothers, that was definitely something they wish that we had more that we didn't get to do as a family, but luckily they got to go with friends a lot. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely a family sacrifice that happens when you go into elite sports. And so it's really awesome that your foundation was able to help a lot of skaters. Yes, it was, it is. And, and I know what you mean about it, about, missing out on a lot of those things. Cause uh, similarly, I would, um, you know, when we, when I, I don't even remember ever growing up taking more than like five days off of the ice. Do you like, I, I if I took if no. <laughs> people now, they're like, Oh yeah, we went on a vacation for a week or two weeks or we took a break. I'm like, I don't, if I was off the ice for like five days, I was like, I got to get back out on the ice. I'm gonna lose everything. <laughs> so, exactly. Your timing changes. You're done. <laughs> Yeah, so vacations both physically weren't an option and certainly weren't financially an option either because, because yeah. 
where my parents were out spending money as opposed to out making money to try and pay for my skiing expenses. But we got a lot of support from the community too when I was younger, which was nice. A bunch of local businesses would like make my skating outfits and um, the, the chiropractor would help me, you know, give services or, you know, I'd work out at the local gym and they'd give me a membership. Like those type of things all would, uh, would, would help out where they can. So we were able to get uh, some, some community support as well, which was great. That's really awesome. Well, my final question is, what are you doing now? Tell us. <laughs> I am in a completely different industry now, completely different realm, different passion. Um, it's similar though. My wife and I own a design and build company, um, Weiss Design and Build. And uh, she specializes in, she's the design, I'm the build. Um, so it started <laughs> years ago when, even when I was still on Stars on Ice, and it was seasonal, you know, I'd tour for certain months out of the year. And then the rest of the year, I was like at home twiddling my thumbs waiting for, you know, touring season to start. So I started picking little projects. Um, I like built my wife's closet. I did some trim work around the house. Uh, then we started to tackle more stuff. So I bought the house next door, demolished it and rebuilt a brand new house from the ground up with a friend of mine as kind of like my mentor. Um, and then that just kind of took off when I do less and less skating, more and more building um and now we build um uh, high-end residential custom homes in uh, mclean like in the dc area um and we also do we'll do like basement remodels kitchens bathrooms stuff like that but uh i love it because it's it's very similar to skating in the sense that uh i work really hard on something you know like you're home you're working on your program you're training every day and, and then all of a sudden you get to nationals you're like here's my program and judge it. What do you think? And it's the same, like I'm working for months and months and months on a project. And then it's like, here it is. Like you present it to the client and you're like, what do you think? And they're like 6.0 or they're like a five. <laughs> so it's, it's the similar type of, of reward. And it's very much um, a perfectionist business too. You know, the difference in skating, like, okay, you know, you only did three rotations. You didn't do four rotations on your spin. You're not going to get credit. Similar to that, like if, you know, the detail, if the mitered corners and crown molding don't match perfectly, then, you know, it's, it's, it's not a perfect product and, and our clients won't accept it. So um, I think it's in that sense, I think skating really prepared me for this industry, but um, it's been very, very rewarding, both emotionally uh, and financially. Uh, but I, I love what I'm doing um, and uh, I continue to keep doing more and more. We've been lucky enough during COVID that um, uh, we're considered an essential business being uh, contractors. So we worked through the entire time. We're able to continue working. And actually in the sense that we, we actually got a lot busier um, because the contractors were all working and there's people that are sitting at home and they're like, uh, I got a project. I want to redo my basement. I want to build a guest house. I want to. And so those types of things all started happening. And so we were busier than ever, which um, thankfully we've been, been blessed with that. But uh, it's, it's long hours, just like skating is. You know, you're never kind of off the clock when you own your own business, but um, it's very rewarding. And uh, it was, it's, it's been a fun transition for me. That's really awesome. That's also super nice that you're considered an essential business and didn't need to close down for any period of time during quarantines. Because I know there's a lot of small businesses that have been going out, which is so sad to see oh i know but yeah well thank you thank you so much for this interview that was awesome you gave a lot of great information i i know everyone listening will be super stoked so thank you so much oh thank you for having me appreciate it <laughs>
I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. Please let me know what you think. Subscribe to my channel. Give me a rating. Give me a review. Follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this. My username is at Paulina Edmonds. And stay tuned for my upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for them. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.